Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule. After watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there, and it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five-question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that, your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials, you can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Good morning, colleagues. Welcome to today's class. My name is Steve Yost. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We're going to get started here with K2, securing your data and practical tools for protecting your information. But before we do, I just want to make sure that you are connected. You can hear me and you can see the screen. If so, if you wouldn't mind opening up that chat bot, shoot me a message. Let me know that you are connected and that you are good to go.
All right. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Nancy, Travis, James, William, Paul, Kay, Andrew, Christine, Laura. Good morning to you all. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy lives for being here and coming to learn about how we can improve our safety of our organizational data and our personal data and hopefully how we can overall improve our compliance and reduce our risk and, you know, maybe learn a bunch of new things in between. Well, today's class is going to be focused on security and trying to give you as much practical information as I possibly can with respect to things that I know can help reduce your risk with respect to uh, data breaches, improve overall compliance with respect to uh, major compliance frameworks, for example, with CCPA or with uh, GDPR and other things like that, as well as uh, hopefully give you some best practices that you can share with your colleagues, your family members, and other people to help um, make them safer online. Uh, the reality is in 2021, uh, data breaches and identity theft and all the nasty stuff that really is kind of out there is a fact of life. And really, uh, it's up to us to take a very proactive approach to prevent it from happening. You know, it's an unfortunate circumstance that, you know, I wish it was different, but that's the reality of the world that we live in. And it's really on each individual person to take care of it for their personal life, as well as um, the company to ensure that everybody on their team is a strong link. You know, for organizations, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Um, and understanding where and how certain um, data breaches have occurred and, and how certain attacks could occur, for example, with ransomware, malware, stuff like that, uh, could be very helpful in terms of promoting overall security. So today we are going to be looking at a bunch of different uh, aspects of security, trying to give you as much practical advice as we can. We're going to start off with taking a look at some attacks uh, recently. So we'll look at some of the hacks and data breaches that have occurred relevant to financial professionals, including uh, firms getting a breach and attacked, as well as uh, maybe some software vendors as well. We'll talk about Intuit's recent credential stuffing attack, where they themselves did not experience a data breach, uh, but rather they're guilty of having poor systems design and allowing their customers to use insecure passwords. We're going to talk about specific types of attacks. Uh, we're going to talk, for example, about ransomware, about malware, what it is, how it functions, what we need to know to protect ourselves and our organizations. Lots of best practices in around there. We'll talk about inside of those best practices, uh, things like the characteristics of good passwords, long and strong passwords. Uh, often there are only line of defense. Uh, so how can we maximize our potential uh, safety with using good passwords for our systems? We'll also talk about some additional kind of more advanced security topics, including uh, data loss prevention, which is a security technique that can be really effective with preventing uh, any sort of data leaving your systems. In fact, if you're an Office 365 subscriber, it's built right into the tool uh, for you to be able to use. We'll finish with my five common sense tips for security and improving compliance um, for your organization. Uh, these are going to be things such as controlling access to data, restricting rights on your computers to only people that work for your organization, only giving them the rights that are necessary, encryption, and more. Now, this is just our starting off point. We can take the presentation any number of directions, and I'd love to do that. If you wouldn't mind, open up that chat box, shoot me a message, let me know what you're interested in learning today, and I'd be happy to do my best to include it in our presentation. So let me know what you're thinking about and what you'd like to see covered in today's class.
Now, for those of you who have not had a class with me before, my name is Steve Yoss. I am a K2 instructor. I've been with K2 about five years now, and I tend to focus on teaching on our security classes and uh, anything really kind of involving software development and uh, accounting systems as well. Uh, my time is split evenly between teaching events like this for wonderful folks like yourself, and the other half of my time is split uh, with my business, which is Devmatics, a software development company uh, based here in Los Angeles, California, but we work all over the uh, world. We build all sorts of cool stuff. Um, you know, we tend to solve business problems with technology and, uh, you know, helping people find new ways to utilize technology in their organization. So we build mobile apps, enterprise solutions, and, you know, uh, inventory solutions, and really kind of every everything in between. So if you ever have any questions regarding uh, software, anything like that, more than happy to speak with you, more than happy to point you at least in the right direction. Now, something new in the K2 universe, K2 launched a podcast earlier this year. It's called the CPE Today Podcast. Uh, podcast is broadcast twice a week uh, on Monday, I'm sorry, on Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. And the podcast focuses on accounting technology and business. It's giving financial professionals all the information they need to know to be relevant and up to date with their career. Uh, we discuss reviews of software applications. We talk about in-depth on training topics, including Excel, Power BI, and more. Lots of tutorials and walkthroughs. And often in the podcast, we're able to go much further in-depth on topics than we can get inside of a class. You know, and for a class, for the most part, we try to cover a lot to give you as much information as possible. But uh, podcasts will go really in-depth on particular topics. You can listen for free on the platform of your choosing, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Uh, you can even watch live on YouTube and Facebook for free, Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. So if you like accounting technology and like take K2 courses, by all means, please feel free to check it out. Okay, a couple of quick housekeeping announcements, then we're going to go ahead and get into our class for today. Um, this is a NASBA qualified webinar. As such, there will be attendance prompts to confirm your engagement with the presentation. They're going to come about every 12 to 20 minutes or so, so please be on the lookout for them. When the response comes up, please go ahead and choose a response to confirm your attendance. Let's go ahead and do a sample one right now just to ensure you know what you're looking for. So you should see a pop-up on your side letting you know that uh, there is a polling question. Now, a couple things with respect to these polling questions. Um, when they come up, select a response. It doesn't matter what response you actually choose. Just choose something. Uh, doesn't matter what. This confirms your attendance, lets us know that you're here, and that ensures that you will get your full credit for today's class. Uh, two things I'll let you know. Uh, the questions that we're going to ask will be related to the course and content. However, I'm not going to be pacing necessarily the questions with the course content itself. Uh, unfortunately, there's too many questions and in order to be able to get through the presentation, it's really difficult to be able to try to time them correctly in order to be able to get the number of responses. Um, so please just go ahead and choose something. If it's something we haven't covered up to this point, don't feel too bad about it. Additionally, I will not be announcing when those prompts come up. Again, it's not that I don't want uh, uh, to let you know when they're coming. It's just there's so much material to get through and it can be quite uh, disruptive to change uh, topics every couple of minutes. So please uh, keep an eye out for them. I'm going to keep those polling questions up as long as I possibly can. So they will be up for several minutes between. So don't feel like you need to do it in the first 10 seconds. They'll be up for several minutes. Okay. 
So I could see that 35 out of 37 people have responded to those polling questions. So you might want to, uh, if you haven't responded yet, uh, to consider go ahead and, uh, and doing so. Okay. Now, with respect to your certificate for completion today, as long as you've completed 75% of your polling questions, you will receive full credit for today's class. Uh, K2 will be issuing your uh, CPE certificate. It could also be your state society, depending on which society you're coming from. Uh, no matter what, it's going to come through email. So keep an eye out for that. If you have any issues with your certificate, by all means, please feel free to reach out to K2. Uh, they'd be more than happy to help. After our webinar today, there will be a brief evaluation. We'd love to know what you think about today's course and content. It's very helpful with respect to uh, creating future courses as well as understanding what people like and maybe what can be improved upon. It takes two minutes. I'll talk more about it at the end of our presentation today, but we'd love your feedback and thoughts. I read every one of them as well as the folks at K2 and, and your local state society as well. Please stay engaged with our presentation for today. If you have any questions, by all means, please feel free to let me know. Um, I'm more than happy to explain things more than once, show another example. Um, you know, if you need something specific for your organization, hey, how do I do this for a marketing company? Hey, what would this look like for a manufacturing firm or something like that? Just tell me what you need and I'll be sure to try to include it in our presentation. If you have any experience with any of the things that we're going to discuss too, or something has happened to you as we're talking through some of these uh, uh, attack types, by all means, please feel free to share your experience. I could see your chat messages here in real time and uh, I'd be happy to include that into our presentation. And if there's anything I can do for you to help improve your day, by all means, please feel free to let me know. I'm more than happy to do so. Okay, let's go ahead and discuss our next topic, which is ransomware. Ransomware is becoming an increasingly more pervasive and really detrimental and nasty thing that can happen to us both individually as well as our business. It's a form of malware that specifically targets critical data in systems for the specific purpose of extortion. You know, malware up to this point, for example, just deleted files or it might have interrupted ability to be able to work or access or something like this. Ransomware now, on the other hand, is not only going to disrupt our ability to be able to work, but it will either hold our data hostage or permanently delete it depending on the nature of the ransomware design. So this is increasingly becoming a more uh, pervasive attack that's uh, coming in through uh, spear phishing emails, specifically targeting executives and organizations. And it's really kind of hard to deal with. I mean, not only does it provide essentially a really massive interruption to the business, uh, but it also could present the risk of a data breach for our company as well. So ransomware is no different than any other form of malware. Uh, you know, viruses, worms, Trojan horses, and others, you know, always have been around. But now we have this additional component of having our data being held hostage, not just deleted. Um, you know, I'm not going to say one's worse or better than the other, but it's an attack that we need to be very familiar with now. Now, when ransomware strikes, it typically takes control of the data files on a computer and it will hold them hostage until the victim pays some sort of ransom that is uh, demanded by these cyber criminals. Okay. Now, what often will end up happening is that the user will download something on their machine, either through an email attachment or through downloading, um, you know, an application they think is doing one thing, but in reality, it will do something different. In this case, you know, steal your data and lock it up for you. So, 
you might, for example, get this email attachment from a client. That email attachment might contain a macro. And unfortunately, you're logged in as an administrator on your machine or have administrative rights. Well, remember, software runs with the same rights and permissions as the user. So it will connect in the background that macro and download some sort of malicious code, install itself silently in the background of your machine, and over a period of time will ultimately encrypt the data on that machine. It will encrypt it, and then once that encryption is done, it will lock your machine and it'll say, hey, you can't use me until you pay some sort of prescribed fee. And if the user pays the fee, maybe they get their data back, maybe not. Um, but absent of a good backup, that's really going to kind of be your only choice with respect to resolution. Now, in theory, you pay the fee. The criminal should give you data, your data back. However, if you think about it, you know, they've already kind of misled you and um, turned you into a victim to begin with. So, I mean, they have no real, you know, trust here. You know, <laughs> I can't necessarily trust them that they're going to do the right thing. Uh, however, what is true, that is, if you don't pay the ransom, then you're going to lose access to your files forever. They'll either remain encrypted or uh, they could be deleted, just depending on the nature of that malware. So generally, there's one of two techniques that are used to take control of the data files on that computer infected by ransomware. Uh, the files, for example, will be encrypted with a long and strong password, you know, a very good password, a, you know, password that would be stored using, for example, like AES 256-bit encryption. And at the time of this recording, that's uh, kind of the standard these days for uh, security. You know, who knows, 20 years from now, that might not be considered secure, and it probably won't be. But, you know, at least at the moment, if it's encrypted with a long and strong password that's using AES 256-bit encryption, you're toast. There's really kind of nothing you can do uh, to break it. And you either, uh, and the criminals... Um, will encrypt this and lock it up for you and you won't be able to access it and you need to get the password from them until uh, uh, and get it from them to be able to use it. So if you don't pay them, they're not going to provide you the password uh, and you won't be able to get access to your data. Now, another type is they will actually copy the files from your computer to some sort of third party, then delete them off the computer once they've been copied. And typically they'll, for example, do this to a server they control outside of the United States. Um, well, Depending on the nature of the data copied, this could represent, for example, a data breach in your company, and you have no way of knowing whether or not they retained a copy of your files. Uh, I'm willing to bet they probably did. Now, regardless of whatever scenario, if you're the victim, you're going to be unable to access your data without paying the ransom. And even if you do pay the ransom, there's no, like, for sure way that you're actually going to get your data back. You're essentially trusting somebody that they're going to do the right thing after they've already infected your computer with malware. You know, for me, that doesn't really sit well with me. And absent of a good backup, I don't really know what options you would have. You're either going to have to pay the ransom or you're going to lose access to your data. I think the moral of this story is don't become a victim of ransomware because no option is good. Uh, all these options lead to other issues with, um, to you and to your computer uh, in the long run. If you're going to be using a separate um, service, basically, to send emails out, um, the service that I would recommend would definitely be Adobe Acrobat, although I'm going to admittedly tell you this is not a fantastic option. Um, 
ideally you'd want to get everybody standardized but if you can't get them on the same page you can use the adobe acrobat service to send them those files the thing you generally want to avoid is just actually attaching the e pdf directly to the email instead you want them to go someplace to do it um, but if you can't get them to do that this is kind of like a pseudo portal in the sense that you can at least monitor you can use the send and track feature and function uh, for this which is which is pretty nifty the uh, send and track feature can refer them out to a particular page where they can get their documents you can password protect it you can also track and take it down when it's done uh, as well the biggest thing is if you're going to share files like this publicly you want to give the ability to be able to remove that share when when you no longer want that document out there on the uh, on the web now adobe acrobat great solution to consider otherwise i mean i love 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 acrobat pro i use it all the time anytime i'm doing agreements contracts anything like that it's going to be through adobe acrobat and using the adobe sign service for collecting e-signatures it's a really cool tool you can license it for about 15 bucks a month you can um get either the pro or the standard i'm going to tell you though the pro version is definitely going to be the one you want for some of these cloud-based tracking and sharing services so if you're looking for a workaround um this would be what i would recommend for you tom uh, and hopefully that that'll work well so uh and i'll also throw out uh you might want to check out the cpe today podcast i covered a good overview on adobe acrobat and some of its main features and functions maybe about two weeks ago so there's a recent episode specifically walking through this tool and why you might want to use it and in a podcast coming up like in the next couple of weeks i'm doing specifically the e-signature services for it for uh, accounting firms so hopefully that answers your question now if you have any other questions please by all means ask i'm more than happy to address and help Alrighty, so we're going to get back into the material here we have had a total of seven polling questions up to this point uh, including our test so we've got another six or so here to go they're going to be coming about again every 12 minutes or so let's go ahead and put up your next one right here and feel free to respond uh, to that message okay otherwise let me know anything i can do to help you and uh, we're going to go ahead and get back into it So in the next section of our presentation today, we are going to be looking at some of the main risk components as well as some of the main remediation components that we can use uh, to help make ourselves safe and secure. We've looked at, for example, some of the major news, some of the major attacks that have occurred, some of the hacks. We've learned, for example, some of the major components that have come from uh, uh, for example, some of the security procedures from like Have I Been Pwned and the Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report. Let's go ahead and take a look now at our next component, which is going to be ransomware. Now, what is ransomware? Well, ransomware is a malware attack at the end of the day. Uh, it is no different than really kind of any other malware in the fact that it infects your computer and does malicious stuff to it. Now, ransomware is frequently delivered through some sort of phishing attack that is going to typically arrive through email or through a USB device or through a drive-by attack, or it could occur where the user thinks that they're downloading some sort of tool, but in reality, they're downloading some sort of malicious code. Now, they follow a similar type of procedure. After receiving uh, the code, it infects your computer. 
it silently in the background encrypts the data on that particular computer and then will prompt you for payment. And if you pay it, you might get your data back. If you don't pay it, they delete your files or uh, they continuously increase the fee that the ransomware is required uh, to pay. But the main thing about this is that it is malware, it infects your computer, it encrypts your data, and once the data is encrypted, you have to pay a fee in order to be able to get your data back. So it's just another form of malware. It's no different, really, and pretty similar in regards to things like viruses, worms, trojans, things of the nature, you know. Uh, however, this has become increasingly pervasive and widespread. They make an incredible amount of money doing this. Uh, and I don't see this particular trend going away in any in any time soon. You know, malware, it used to be just delete your files or infect your companies to be able to uh, operate. But now they can make a lot of money doing this. And that's, in fact, why they do it. Now, ransomware, it typically takes control of the data on that computer and it'll just hold you hostage until you pay the ransom or your data ultimately gets uh, deleted. Now, if the victim pays the ransom, the cyber criminals, in theory, will return control back of the data held by, the, held by them to the victim. Now, if the victim does not pay the ransom, then the access to those uh, data objects will be gone forever. So it really depends. I, I can't give you a strong, like one way or the other, you know, uh, whether or not you should pay the ransom, whether or not you should, um, for example, um, uh, you know, um, tr you know, send them Bitcoin or not. It's really going to kind of depend on the specific circumstances of what you're, of what you're in. And it varies depending on the nature of the organization, uh, as well as the type of data that is otherwise being compromised. Now, a question you might ask yourself is, well, how the heck do they get access to my computer and how the heck do they get access to my files? Well, it's one of two ways. Well, once they actually take advantage of your computer. So a question for yourself, should you be concerned with this? I don't know. You know, I could tell you for me, yeah, absolutely. This is what I could, this is what keeps me up at night in terms of thinking about what could occur and what it could go down and what that could potentially look like for uh, my company or my clients' companies. Now, a question that will usually pop up here would be what does ransomware look like and what would it do once it's on my computer? Okay. So in a nutshell, you've downloaded this ransomware. It might've come in through an email. It might've come in through some sort of website or some sort of download that somehow have gotten on your machine. Okay. For a period of time, it'll be quiet. It will silently, for example, uh, in, encrypt your data in the background or transmit your data outside of your computer to a separate device. It will just do this without you really kind of even knowing about it. Now, whenever it's done with that process, it'll pop up a window and that window will say, you know, something along the lines of this. It'll say, oh man, sorry, your computer has been infected with ransomware or your files have been encrypted. Okay. And it'll prompt you for payment. So, you know, in this particular instance, it says your files have been encrypted. Many of your documents, your photos and other things are no longer accessible because they're encrypted. Can you recover your files? Yes, absolutely. You can recover them all safely and easily, um, but you are going to need to pay, you know? And so, for example, it'll prompt you with a address where you could send some Bitcoin. It'll give you an amount, in this case, $300 worth. Um, but that event, you know, that, that amount could vary widely. Um, if research has shown us anything is that the amounts of ransoms have continuously gone up and will, uh, will continue to go up. Again, why they make so much money with it. Now, often what will happen with this ransomware is they will provide some sort of motivation for you to do it. 
Okay, so they will continuously raise the amount until the payment is received. So if you pay right now, it's only 300 bucks, but the uh, ransom will go up in two days, 23 hours and 58 minutes. It might go from 300 to 600 or to 1,000. And if you don't pay by May 19th, well, then your files will be permanently lost. And that's that. Okay. So this is essentially what they will look like here. And they're going to ask you to send Bitcoin because Bitcoin is anonymous. It's secured. And there's really kind of no way of tracking that payment from one side to the other. And so once this particularly happens, I mean, there's really just not a lot you can do at this point. You know, absent of a good backup, you've got a really hard decision to make. Do you send them Bitcoin or not? Uh, if you don't send it, you could permanently lose access to your data and to your files. Now, a comment came in. I'm constantly getting reminders from my security software provider that also results in restarts, that I'm constantly getting reminders and updates from Microsoft, which also results in the computer being restarted. These are inconvenient, so I usually restart right now. Why can't I, as a smaller user, feel safe and comfortable with these applications? Well, um, I'm sorry for the for the circumstances that you might be might be facing, and unfortunately, you know, updates are a necessary and and important component of security in general. Uh, I could tell you, for example, that if you were to only do one thing, it would be to keep your device safe and up to date. And often, depending on the nature of the update, it might need to update a system file that is not in use, and that's why that restart is required uh, to update some sort of system file that's really integral to the security of the system that has to be written before the computer logs in. Uh, so I would tell you that you should update as frequently as the updates come out, as inconvenient as they are. Hopefully they don't come more than about once every couple of days or so, but it's just a fact of, of today's life, um, you know, and so you should build it into your computer to be able to um, apply those updates regularly. Now, one of the things you can do is that you can also adjust when your computer updates. I'll point this out to you as well. If you come into your Windows machine and you search for the update settings, okay, so just come on over here to your start menu, type in the word update. One of the things that you can do is you can adjust the time in terms of when your computer will update. If you see here in Windows 10, there's this option that says change active hours, and mine are set for this machine from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now, I could, for example, uh, select this option, which is probably a pretty good one, saying, hey, adjust it based off of activity. So it knows I'm using this computer maybe, for example, from 10 to 4. Well, it will avoid applying updates and restarts during that time period. But if you let the computer, for example, auto-update, it will not do it during working hours. And then when uh, you go to home for the day or go uh, sign off for the day, it will apply those updates uh, for you. Uh, but you certainly, certainly want to let the computer update as frequently as it feels like it needs to update. Uh, and I'm sorry that that might make you feel um, like it's happening too frequently, but uh, there could certainly be a compelling reason to do it. You certainly don't want to leave yourself exposed. Another comment came in. If you've been hacked and they want the ransom, if you have a backup, what are the ramifications of not simply answering the demand? Well, great comment. Uh, with respect to that, if you've got a, a recent backup, great. You're locked and loaded. You're good to go. Go ahead and just regard the notice, restore the backup, and you're, and you're well on your way. Uh, but with backup, there's two components of time that you should be aware of. You know, when the last backup was completed, so your point of recovery, and then how long it takes to recover. You know, and that varies depending on the organization and the data that you're working in. So with respect to uh, the recovery uh, point, you know, 
most organizations maybe do a backup a day, maybe a backup a week, you know, depending on the nature of what you have. I mean, that backup, if it's too long ago, like two weeks, three weeks, it might, it might as well just not exist. You know, data from three, four weeks ago, at least in our business is irrelevant. I mean, uh, we do on average 250, 300 billable hours a day for client projects across our entire team. I mean, three days of time, um, would be 900 hours. I mean, that would be extremely expensive to have to recreate, you know, so we try to do backups multiple times for the day, you know, so the, we're essentially creating a stop gap and a stop loss, uh, for when we would need to recover, you know, and, and how quickly and, and, where in time that data backup would be available. And the other piece of this is how long it takes to recover. We prioritize, for example, being able to recover business critical systems within the hour, you know, so that essentially I don't have a whole team of people just sitting around. With ransomware, if you've got a good backup, it's recent and you can recover quickly, then great, go ahead and restore it and you'll be back on uh, the horse and riding in the right direction. So I hope that answers both of your questions. So let's go ahead and take a look at three recent high profile attacks that we can draw some conclusions from and apply to our own organizations. The city of New Orleans in 2019 had a very large attack. It came on the heels of a similar attack for the entire state, great state of Louisiana, where K2 is uh, incorporated and operated for many, many, many years. And this particular attack affected over 4,000 computers owned by the city government. It resulted in $7 million in damages. However, the city was able to recover about $3 million through their cyber insurance, insurance coverage. Now, it was believed to have been caused by the RUC version of malware and ransomware perpetrated by organized crime outside of the United States. In addition to the financial costs, this resulted in the city not being able to operate for a period of time. And they ended up actually having to declare a state of emergency. You know, you think about, for example, how much detriment and damage can cause by an individual not being able to operate. Imagine being a whole municipality not being able to provide any city services, uh, including things like uh, public works and sanitation and even some healthcare uh, aspects were interrupted as well. A similar attack, this occurred also um, down in the south in the great city of Atlanta. Hackers used the SamSam crypto, um, crypto ransomware to cripple the city government. Uh, this included interrupting the ability for the courts to be able to work, online bill payments for municipal services. Oh no, the airport Wi-Fi. And as a frequent uh, visitor of uh, Hartfield Jackson, I can only imagine how, uh, what kind of chaos ensued there. Copies of emails being destroyed, dashboard-mounted video camera footage to be taken, so on and so forth. Surprisingly, the ransom demand was quite low, in my opinion, only $52,000. Um, I'm not sure if the city paid it or not. However, I can tell you that they ended up costing them over $17 million in remediation. In January of 2018, the audit uh, they did a subsequent audit and exposed that they had over 2,000 vulnerabilities in their IT infrastructure. So, you know, unfortunately, this is something that isn't going away anytime soon. Now, two people were arrested later that year. They were believed to be been behind over 200 attacks, netting them over $6 million in ransom, uh, involving municipalities around the country from New Jersey to California to Colorado and more. 
Here's another provider. This was virtual care provider. VCP was a managed service provider providing technology service to medical facilities, including uh, nursing homes, hospice, and things of this nature. And VCP provided services to over 100 of these facilities, and they serviced approximately 80,000 computers and servers. They, too, in 2019, fell victim to the strain of ransomware, which infected uh, VCP's computer system, but then ultimately infected many of their clients as well. Uh, this resulted in clients losing access to patient records. Again, it's unfortunate when financial data is taken, but just imagine if you are in a healthcare provider and you don't know what prescription to give somebody or being able to pull their charts or something else like that. Hackers demanded a $14 million ransom in payment. Okay, I'm not sure if they paid it or not. Hopefully they had a good backup. But either either way, imagine your BCP and having to explain this to your clients, which then have to explain it to uh, their patients that, you know, where this interruption of service occurred. Now, bigger picture here from 2019, uh, just from January of 2019 to the end of September 2019, 491 healthcare providers became victims of ransomware. And these are just a couple of the more interesting ones uh, that I can mention. There are plenty of examples of municipalities and businesses, large and small, uh, having to pay ransomware or losing access to their data. Now, from this, there are some trends that we should be familiar with. Now, formerly targeting individuals was the MO here. However, ransomware providers are increasingly targeting businesses, they're targeting governments, they're targeting healthcare providers, really kind of every person, every organization is at risk for this. And absent good IT infrastructure, absent, uh, for example, um, good security, segmented networks, strong passwords, good role-based authentication and role-based privileges and rights, man, I mean, you think about all these people that you might have in your company, and if you don't have kind of all these macro level security things, any one of them could download something that could cause an issue for your company and could cause ransomware to become infected. A recent report by Emisoft said that at least 966 governmental agencies in the United States were impacted in 2019 with ransomware, um, which is incredible. There were 113 state municipal governments, 764 healthcare providers, and almost 100 college universities and schools, uh, which is really kind of crazy. Now, in 2021, 151 million ransomware attacks just through, uh, sorry, in 2020, just through the third quarter. Now, given these numbers, can you afford to ignore the risks? Well, if you become infected with ransomware, Absent of a good backup, you could look at, lose access to all of your data and applications. This could result in substantial disruption of your business, causing a loss of revenue. Certainly, it could infect and uh, disrupt your ability uh, to be able to provide critical services to your stakeholders. Certainly, reputation loss in the market. And for you personally, I mean, you could lose access to stuff that you couldn't recreate, you know, things like your pictures, you know, most of us, for example, our phone is our primary camera now, you know, and losing access to our digital photos could, you know, lose years and years and years of memory. Likewise with our videos, other important documents as well. Now, from an organizational perspective, ransomware could constitute a reportable incident. It depends on your state. It depends on your specific, uh, like what you do. You know, if you're, for example, a healthcare provider, you might have, and you probably do have um, responsibilities to HIPAA and for protecting patient data. 
Uh, if you're, for example, in the financial services, you might have, for example, obligations around FINRA. And for those compliance-based programs, it can be very expensive uh, if a data breach could occur. In the case of HIPAA, the fines range from about 250 bucks up to $250,000 and at every level in between, depending on what occurred. You know, something like willful negligence, like, you know, could be very, very expensive to your company. Now, according to the Department of Health and Human Services, they define a data breach as a disclosure under the privacy rules that result in protected healthcare information being exposed. It is presumed to be a breach unless otherwise the covered entity or business associate demonstrates that there's a low probability that the protected health information has been compromised. You know, so in some instances, you know, it might not constitute a data breach if the data is encrypted, you know, so there are some rules and regulations around this, but they vary widely from state to state, industry to industry. Now, for ransomware as HIPAA violations, there are a couple of things that we should know. The nature and extent of the healthcare information that's involved, including the types of identifiers and the likes of re-identifying people. You know, so for example, if it includes critical uh, information like a social security number where you can actually identify somebody versus maybe just a patient ID. Uh, the unauthorized person who used the protected inf uh, health information or whom the disclosure was made, whether the protected health information was actually acquired or viewed, and to the extent at which the uh, risk and protected health information has been mitigated. Uh, all of these would be factored into if it was a HIPAA violation, and if so, what type and what the overall fine and regulatory cost might be. Now, consider ransomware impacting a CPA firm. You know, let's say ransomware, for example, impacts your firm the week of April 15th, you know, and it stops your company's ability to be able to process tax return. What are your options? I mean, this is a critical time period for you. Absent a good backup, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, what if you have all those returns that you spent hours and hours and hours of doing that you can't ultimately file? You know, I think your clients, for example, will feel bad for you. They'll probably give you a day or two to maybe be able to figure it out. But if it's April 10th, April 11th, I mean, they're not going to be happy to go on extension. That might impact their ability to come back and get your return done in the future. You know, so what are your options? You could restore from a backup and continue operating, or you could pay the ransom and hope to continue operating, or you tell your clients you won't be able to complete their returns and have them file an extension. You know, if you're out of business for more than a couple of days, though, a couple of weeks, at some point, you know, people make their determination, they'll just move on, you know, and that's often what will end up happening here is that despite uh, your best effort, you'll lose clients over it. Now, how does ransomware attack you? There is no single source of ransomware. It can infiltrate and infect a computer through lots of different points. But there are nine specific methods that you should be uh, familiar with. Okay, Unsolicited email, clicking links and attachments, mouse spam is sometimes referred to this, malicious URLs that are transmitted through social media. Be very conscious of, for example, companies that have their names. Um, you know, what, what these attackers will sometimes do is they'll buy a domain very similar to a company. Uh, you know, for example, like my, my company is Yasio. Uh, so, you know, our domain is yoss.io. Well, somebody could buy y0ss.io and it would look extremely like our domain. And the unsophisticated user might think they're actually going to our website, but in reality, they're going to some sort of malware. We have drive-by websites, which are sites used to specifically distribute malware that look legitimate, that have been compromised. 
Malware can be distributed through RDP. You know what we talked about earlier with respect to uh, Shodan. I gave you the uh, example using remote desktop access and finding those ports. Well, often uh, bad guys will find those ports as well. They'll be able to uh, penetrate the critical vulnerabilities that are listed there and then infect that computer, that server, that network with malware as well. You could also get it through a managed service provider, you know, so there were a couple of examples um, recently in Texas where a managed service provider that provided IT infrastructure for several Texas municipalities, they got infected and because they had privileged access in the client networks, the malware actually spread to their clients as well. Another good example is what we talked about a minute ago with that BCP company providing managed services to um, healthcare facilities for nursing homes and uh, hospice. Uh, the nursing homes and hospices didn't have a issue, but rather their managed service provider did. So these are more of the common methods that we might get, but I would say email and malicious links are definitely the, the ones that we would uh, be most concerned with. So I would tell you, focus on your team, help them reduce the overall risk of becoming a ransomware victim. We're human. We're going to be the ones that ultimately cause this. We are the weak link in the security chain. If it's going to occur, a data breach is going to occur for your organization. More often than not, it's going to occur because of a breakdown of humans inside of this. You know, a human clicking on something they shouldn't click on. A human thinking they're getting an email from a client, but they're not uh, actually getting it. It's a spoofed email or something like that. Educating yourself, educating your team and other people that are working with your organization, independent contractors and the like, about the risks associated with spam and malware, uh, in my opinion, are your overall best investment. Education and testing around clicking on attachments and links uh, can be really, really helpful. I'm going to give you a resource here in a minute that might be something you might want to consider for your company. Uh, there's two. There is uh, GoFish, and then there's also KnowBefore, uh, which are great for testing and educating your team around clicking emails and you know, potentially opening up something that can infect their computer. Okay. Also educate people on how the internet works and how websites work, you know, know the difference between, you know, the different companies that you go to and be able to identify a potential uh, malicious website that is just there to steal some data. Now, the good news is in 2021, there are so many great resources that we can consider using for our companies. Uh, and there are great security services that can help educate our uh, organizations with respect to uh, what to click on, what not to click on. There's testing frameworks that we can actually send um, out, you know, to to hopefully, uh, you know, identify our users that might need a little bit more training and then focus on those folks to help them learn, um, you know, what to click on and what not click on. Well, let me go ahead and share with you a couple of resources that I think are really useful for educating your team on, um, let's say, proper etiquette with respect to email. Now, the first service I want you to be familiar with is a company called KnowBefore, okay? KnowBefore is a security company that specifically focuses on uh, helping humans get better at not clicking on things they shouldn't click on, and as well as understanding, you know, how many of the assets of the internet work and what, uh, what to do and what not to do. So users are often your first issue that you're going to pop up inside your company um, and even a very well-maintained, well-organized company uh, at the end of the day is still made up of individuals. And if those individuals aren't trained with good and provided good resources, you know, there's a good chance that they can cause your overall issue. 
Now, Nova 4 does a lot of different things. Uh, they are most notably known for their security awareness changing and their phishing service. So they have a couple of different modules and different things that you can choose to get with this. But if we come over here and we can look and see the different products that they offer, they have four different tiers of products. They have their silver, gold, platinum, and diamond. And these are some of the services that you can get. Phishing, testing, uh, security hints and tricks, training, brandable content, phishing alerts. They can integrate, for example, with your Active Directory for authentication. Um, they can do all different sorts of testing on this. And what they will do is they will send out emails to your staff that masquerade like looking from a client that will look like they're coming from the IRS. You know, we all know the IRS doesn't actually send emails out that'll look like they're coming from Bank of America, that'll look like they're coming from PayPal and more. And the intention is to try to get your staff to click on one of these links to submit uh, data. You know, if they do click on it, you can identify that who actually clicked on it and hopefully work with them to uh, remediate this and train them. You know, so unfortunately, uh, they have a minimum of 25 users with respect to their plans at 30 bucks uh, per user per month. You know, so sorry, this is sorry per year. So it's about a $700 investment for small business. But in my opinion, the training resources provided by this and then the phishing services provided by this to test your users to see if they're actually following your email policies, in my opinion, are, are second to none. They're, they're fantastic for what they do. Uh, so this is no before you might want to check this company out because they've got some great resources to assist your company and uh, improving their overall security. Now, if that's a little pricey for you, understandably, there is a free and open source alternative. It is called uh, GoFish. And this particular service is something that you can just download and use inside your company. And it will manage that same kind of phishing attacks uh, for you, where it'll essentially send emails out to your staff, trying to convince them to click on a link. And it'll tell you, you know, who opened the email, uh, who clicked on the link, maybe even who, who submitted the uh, data. Now, this one's a little bit more complicated to set up. It's not horrendously difficult, but uh, it does require a little bit more finesse versus the no before, which is pretty much just a turnkey service. You sign up and it's, it's good to go. Uh, this, you're going to need to uh, configure. You're also going to have to write your own email. So it's a little bit more in depth. Someone like myself, you know, computer software developer, I personally prefer services like this because I can customize them to my heart's content. Um, but if you don't want to take that kind of effort, well, then you might want to consider that no before. But ultimately, they end up working the same way. So you have lots of options as it relates to kind of testing your staff, educating your staff. And I would really encourage you that you consider at least one of these solutions uh, as a way of kind of improving security and compliance. And if people know they're going to be tested, hopefully they'll become vigilant when the real attack does come and they'll recognize it and not click on it. Now, another feature that is built into Windows 10 for helping prevent against malware is what's called controlled folder access. This was released in fall of 2017, so by now everybody should have it. And this enables users that have the appropriate rights that can change settings on their computers uh, to enable this feature that will prevent 
specified folders known as controlled folders from being tampered with by unknown and potentially risky application. It's a form of whitelisting. And so with CFA, we could point it at like, for example, our user folders or our uh, pictures folder or whatever we choose to do with this. And it's gonna prevent unauthorized applications from being able to make changes with respect to uh, those files that are stored in that. So we could turn this on. I've provided some documentation here in the uh, the slides, but let's go ahead and take a hands-on look of how we would turn this on in our Windows. Okay, what we would end up doing here, we would go ahead and search for, let's go ahead and choose here. We're gonna type in controlled folder access. Okay, and we'll see that option pops up. We'll go ahead and enable this. Now this is part of the Windows security. So this is what you're gonna see pop up in here and there'll be an option that says, hey, do you wanna turn this on? And if you go ahead and you click this, it's gonna let you know you're making some changes to your device. And this is why, for example, you need to have at least the ability uh, through group policy to turn this on. So if you turn this on, it will prevent uh, unauthorized access to specified folders. Now, if we click, for example, the protected folders here, it will show us what folders are being protected. And it's almost always our user folders specifically. So our documents, our pictures, videos, things of this nature, you'll see prevented. And it's gonna prevent any unsigned, any unknown auth, uh, application from being able to infect those files, thereby hopefully eliminating the specific risk that you might have with downloading ransomware and losing access to your files. Now, as great as that feature and function is, your honest, to God, best possible way of preventing uh, ransomware is to never let it happen to begin with and, and educating your team. But hopefully if it you do become infected on the odd chance, uh, that's hopefully a way that you could prevent your, it from spreading. Now, you're also gonna wanna have a great backup. Backup, backup, backup. It cannot be understated enough. It is so absolutely important that you have a backup service in place. Um, because absent of a good backup, you're really not gonna have any choice to be able to uh, resolve this other than paying the ransom or losing, and if not, you'll just lose access to your files altogether. So backup is there as a preventative measure in the same way that we have insurance. You know, we, we don't account and expect, for example, bad stuff to occur, but yet it does happen. So backup is fantastic and it's something you, you really need to do. And in this, you know, fantastic tools that we have out there, you know, like, uh, for example, um, simple services like Microsoft OneDrive or Google Drive or Box are really good because in the event that your computer dies through, you know, for example, maybe a corrupted hard drive or, you know, uh, hopefully not, but maybe your building burns down or, or hopefully not again, some sort of ransomware, as long as the data is offloaded somewhere else, well, you can always be able to restore back to it. You know, one of the nice things about OneDrive, Google Drive is they're perpetual backups. Anything in the scope of your OneDrive folder is automatically going to be backed up not only to OneDrive and to Microsoft's cloud services, but then also backed up uh, redundantly to any other computers that you might own. Now, as great as this is, you should be aware that with respect to um, so certain backup services and certain malware, increasingly we're seeing it also infect the backups itself. So 
with respect to backup, you just don't want to have one option, but rather multiple options. Um, I would tell you for a backup to be considered reliable, it needs to be in really kind of uh, two or three different uh, places besides um, your actual computer. I would tell you you need to have one locally so that you can back up quickly in the event of a lost computer, so you can download your files quickly, and then also one up to the cloud. Now, I would tell you lots of different services that are out there that you can consider for backup. If you're looking to just get something in place quick, any of those cloud sharing and syncing services, OneDrive, Google Drive, Box.net, Dropbox, any of those are perfectly fine. Just realize they are only going to back up what is ever in the scope of those folders. So if you don't have it in that folder, it's not going to get backed up to your machine. Now, you might want to consider a cloud backup service that'll back up the whole computer. Uh, my personal recommendation is a company called CrashPlan. This is from a company called, uh, sorry, the product is called CrashPlan. The company is Code42. And this is what our company uses. This is also what I recommend to many of my clients. It's very robust, very easy to use, and it's also affordable. Uh, this costs 10 bucks per computer per month. And in our company, you know, we have everybody working remote. So when we get a new computer for somebody, we configure it, we send it out to them. This software comes preloaded in automatically because if my client or if my, my staff can't work, I mean, that's really my problem. And if they're not backing up their files and they're working on something critical, again, also my problem. So we use this as a way of backing up our machines out in the field, even the stuff that we don't directly have like in our home, uh, in our direct offices. Now it's got all the stuff that you would come to expect. It does continuous backup. Every time files change, it backs them up in the background. Uh, you can upload all the data you want, which is why I recommend this. I've got terabytes of data, um, ter you know, which are just thousands and thousands of gigabytes of photos and videos and music over the years. So 10 bucks for unlimited backup. Yes, please. That's a very affordable uh, solution. Okay, you could set up retention policies. So if things get backed up, um, you know, how long they should be backed up once they're deleted off your machine. It's got tools for ransomware recovery. It supports external hard disks, which again are great. You know, a lot of the additional other services will not support external hard drives. You can also restore to other computers as well. And it's very secure overall. 10 bucks per user per month. My opinion, money, money well spent. Now, with respect to backup, a question might come up like, do I recommend just doing files? Should you do the whole system? As I mentioned, in order for backups to be considered reliable, they have to be robust and they also have to be uh, in multiple different places and in multiple different ways. So uh, I would recommend that you do both, you know, rec back up individual files and folders and then also back up the whole system whenever possible as well. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. 
And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.